Our topic this week from the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 6, Noah finding grace. Now we're going to be looking tonight at the last verse in the first parasha of the Torah reading. So on the traditional yearly cycle, the Torah, the five books written by Moses, the, uh, the Torah are divided up so that each week there's a portion to be read and it's six or so chapters each so that within a year it is read. And so, uh, so we're looking at the last verse in that first, what's usually read for that first week. If you look on your calendars and the Sabbath, it tells you, you know, Genesis 1, verse 1 through uh, 6, verse 8. So we're going to be looking at verse 8 tonight. So this will conclude the first parasha, that it's called the parasha. This is the first parasha of the year. We'll be concluding it tonight. So it's normally read in one week. It's taken us 32 weeks to, <laughs> to accomplish. So this is the 32nd sermon. On just I don't know how you can get all of that. It's, it's, it's like over 1,500 years of history, all within one week's time. So, so we'll conclude that. And then we'll start moving into uh, the second parasha today as well. And that one we may spend... Uh, four or so weeks on. That one's not, uh, not as many stories, not as much uh, length of history either. Okay, so Noah finding grace. So now important to understand chapter 6 is important to understand it in light of chapter 4 and chapter 5 and chapter 7 because the Bible was not written with chapter divisions. It didn't even have uh, verses divisions. So, it, uh, so to understand 6... We see it in light of the, of the totality of what's around it. And that's how you read the Bible. That's how you understand the Bible, by reading a certain text, and then reading it within its chapter, and within the chapters around it, and then the rest of the scriptures. So we're going to review a little bit what we looked at last week in verse 1 and through 7. When man began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. And so the uh, in chapter 4 of Genesis, it talks about Cain's line, the children of men, the children of sin. And then uh, chapter 5 talks about Seth's line, Adam's line through Seth, and continuing on, and the children who are following God. And so, and then it says, and then here, it said, my spirit shall not strive with man, right? And so here, God is not happy with mankind in the beginning of these verses because of what the children of chapter 4 and the children of chapter 6, right? The sons and daughters of those people groups were doing. And if you missed that, again, there's more on that. We'll get in depth onto it on the sermon topic Nephilim, and you can see that on uh, shalomadventure.com. So in verse 4, And there were giants on the earth in those days, and also afterward, and when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, they bore children to them, and those were mighty men who were of old, men of renown, and those are the ones, again, mentioned in chapters 4 and 5. And then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. And so again, we're seeing it was the wickedness of mankind that he wasn't happy with, that the thoughts, uh, that the, every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And that God was sorry that he had made man, right? So the issue is mankind. What mankind was doing, that God was not happy with mankind. And then it tells us what he is going to do about this regarding mankind's sin. And now, uh, so angels aren't mentioned here. Evil angels aren't mentioned here at all. Uh, obviously, there are evil angels that are influencing at all times and trying to get us to sin and tempt us to sin. But God's condemnation is upon mankind's yielding to those temptations. And thus, it comes to the point where every intent of the thoughts of his heart is only evil continually. Pretty horrible state of mind. Right? And so, 
Uh, we're going to see more and more of that because it says that in the days of Noah, so shall it also be at the coming of the Son of Man. And so this is the type of situation we're going to be dealing with where every intent of people's thoughts, of their hearts, will only be evil continually. And I think we're starting to see that more and more. The Holy Spirit is being withdrawn and, and, uh, and the carnal heart is manifesting itself more and more. So we shouldn't be surprised. Uh, a friend of mine wrote to me this week, said, what's going on in the world? What is going on with people's minds? How can they possibly be making these choices? That's basically what I quoted. <laughs> I said, this is what's happening. There's a battle between God and Satan. And things are going to get worse before they get eternally better. So sorry was mad. So the God, the Lord was sorry that he had made man. What a sad state. Yeah. The guy gets to the point that he's sorry for something that he did. <laughs> he's sorry that he created man. He's grieving that he made mankind. Verse 7, And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And that is the last verse of the first parasha, the first reading of the year, the first week's reading of the year. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And that's our focus tonight on Noah finding grace and how we also can find grace in the sight of the Lord. And so that's the contrast that's going on here. And that's what the first seven verses of chapter seven are bringing us to, is this contrast between the, the descendants and mentioned in Genesis chapter 4 and the descendants mentioned in chapter 5 and then the contrast between all the rest of the world and Noah finding grace. And as we enter into the last days of earth's history, that will be the contrast. Carnal hearts and those who've been born anew. Those who've received new hearts and are finding grace in the sight of the Lord. And that greatest is offered to all, but as in the story with Noah, the situation with Noah, very few there be that accept God's grace and walk therein. So what is this? What does it mean that he found grace in the eyes of the Lord? So where should we go to find out what, what it means to find grace in the eyes of the Lord? Concordance. Well, concordance is not bad. The concordance will lead us to the Bible. The Bible is the place. Not the internet, right? Not all these things. Not what he says, he says, I say, anyone says. What the Bible says, and so right within this same passage, it tells us more about Noah. It says in verse 9, the next verse, Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation, and Noah walked with God. Now we saw a little bit of what it meant to walk with God because it said that Enoch walked with God and we did a whole sermon on that. And if you missed that, again, you can go to shalomadventure.com and type in Genesis 6 or Genesis 5, I think it was, or and Enoch and it'll bring it up for you. But Enoch walked with God and we saw as we looked at verses regarding that in the Bible, it says that one of the things that matched up with him was that uh, it mentioned God's power, God's grace, that God is able to keep us from falling and present us faultless without fault before the presence of God. And so Enoch walked with God. God made him faultless by his power. God's arm is not too short to save. God is able to, unto him who is able to, keep us from faultless, and he who is able to present us, to keep us from falling, and he who is able to present us faultless by, before his throne of grace. And so Noah also was walking in that same way. Again, from that lineage, receiving from Enoch and others, God's word, God's truth, and walking therein. Receiving of God's grace, receiving of God's power, 
to give him the ability to walk without falling, to walk without fault before God's throne. And that's what it says also, that he was perfect in his generations. Well, what does that mean, that he was perfect? And some people get off and really freak out over this whole idea of perfection in the Bible. Right? And so what does it mean to be perfect? Right? Well, so here's an analogy. So you think of uh, perfect, the perfect student, right? Perfect student is a 4.0. Right? What does it mean for a person to graduate with a 4.0? What would they have to do? What would, what would it mean that they graduated with a 4.0? Straight A's. Straight A's, right? 100% on every test, on every paper they turn in, on all their homework, everything, 100%. That's right, 4.0. And to do that, it, what would the test, what would the, what would, what type of classes, what would they have to do to graduate with a 4.0? What? What type of... That helps, right? Study, do hard work. Study. Study diligently, hard work. Good. Hard work and what? Studying what? What are they studying to get that 4.0? To graduate with a 4.0. What, what type of subjects? Math, science, English. Philosophy, right? A lot of different things, right? At least that's how it used to be. I don't know about it anymore, right? Now, I didn't tell you to graduate from what? I didn't say graduate from high school. I didn't say graduate from college. I just said graduate. What if it was a kindergartner? What would they have to study in order to graduate from kindergarten with a 4.0? Just show up, right? If they show up and they don't bite another kid next to them, they'll pull someone's hair, you know. Uh, don't throw food at anyone, basically. Obey the rules of the kindergarten class. They can graduate with a 4.0. And be perfect as a kindergartner. And graduate from kindergarten with that 4.0. Now, hopefully that wouldn't be the same standard for someone graduating from high school, although I don't know anymore, or graduating from college, and I don't know anymore about that either. But there should be a higher standard for that level. And anyone who tries to graduate from high school or, or college with just the behavior of a kindergartner wouldn't get a 4.0, wouldn't get 100%, would they? But that kindergartner can be perfect as a kindergartner. And so we each can be perfect by God's grace at every stage of our development with the Lord. And that perfection that God considers perfection doesn't mean we, like Noah, that Noah never got a splinter when he was building the ark, that he, that he never hit his thumb while he was hammering, that he never cut a board too short, you know, never mismeasured, right? People get this idea of perfection, you know, like Noah never pooped in his pants when he was a baby, or, you know, that's not biblical perfection. Biblical perfection is not knowingly, consciously, willingly, continually choosing to disobey God, to sin against God to consciously break God's laws, to be lawless, purposefully choosing. And so if we, is there any reason that we should consciously, after we've come to the Lord and are filled with his power and filled with his spirit, is there any reason that we should consciously, rebelliously choose to disobey God? No. No, because he has given us all things that are necessary for godliness in this earth. He has provided all things for us. And he is the one who is able to keep us from falling. He is the one who is able to present us faultless before his throne of grace. It's his power. You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. He is the one who makes us holy. I am the Lord your God who sanctifieth you. That makes you holy. You shall be perfect, for I, the Lord your God, am perfect. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. 
Right? So God wants to, and God is able to, if we surrender and allow him to guide, to guide and direct and, and empower our lives to not ever be in rebellion against him. And so Noah was walking in the sight of God without rebellion against him, without disobeying him. And so if he was a perfect, again, kindergartner, that's all that was expected of him in the judgment. And so if we were all to die right now in the judgment, we would all be graded, all be judged on a different level, depending on where God has taken us individually as people. And it could be two twins raised exactly the same, but they're on different levels where God is convicting them, where God is working in their lives under the circumstances and situations that they go through. And as long as they aren't in any area in their lives where God is convicting them on in rebellion against God, then they're perfect in his sight. They are walking in his light. And of course, like that kindergartner, as we grow in the Lord, we should grow in maturity and spirituality and in victory, and God will continually reveal stuff that we didn't realize before. He'll continually teach us stuff that we didn't see before. And then he will empower us to walk in that light as he reveals his light. The walk of the just is like the shining light that grows more and more until the fullness of the day, the perfect day. So we continue to grow, just like the sun coming up and gets brighter and brighter. So God reveals to us more and more of his grace, and then his life is lived out more and more through our flesh. And thus, at every stage in that growth, God can declare us faultless, perfect before him as we grow in his grace, in his power. God is developing us and growing us, training us, nurturing us, and at every step, we can walk with him. And that's what it's saying about Noah. That he was just. That he was right. Just, justify. When, you, when you're typing something out on a computer and you want to justify, have you ever seen lines on a, uh, on a page and, and they don't all go to the same end, some, some lines are longer than others, that's because that line is not justified. That paragraph is not justified. There are more words and more letters on one line than another line. But if you hit the justification button, it'll justify it, it'll push them all, it'll stretch them all, so they all come to the same exact line at the end of the page. And it just looks nicer, and the newspapers and, and a lot of articles are written that way, books are written that way, it's justified. So even if you had just two letters on that line, it'll stretch it out until it reaches the end, and it's straight. And even, and so he's just man. He was living straight. He was walking on the straight and narrow path, on the upward path, keeping his eyes focused on the goal that was set before him. His eyes were on the Lord, and he was walking, and thus he was just man. He's walking rightly, and thus God was able to call upon him and find grace God's grace, God's mercy, God's favor, God's protection, God's power upon him. God was able to work in his life. Come before the throne of grace to find help in your time of need. Come to him and he will help you and he will empower you. God's powerful grace is able to live in us and use us for his honor and glory. And keep us from turning to the right hand or left. Keep us from getting distracted. Keep us on God's path. Just, perfect, walking with the Lord. That's how Moses is described, or Noah, rather, is described. And Ezekiel mentions about Noah, Ezekiel 14, verse 14. Even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they would deliver only themselves by their righteousness, says the Lord God. So Noah is clumped together with these other two men as being righteous, doing what is right, doing what is just, doing what is good. I mean, coupled with Daniel, we have almost the whole life of Daniel recorded in the Bible. And you know, the Bible, when it records someone's life, it tells it all, right? If they mess up like David or Moses, doesn't care who they are, what their titles, king of Israel, leader of Israel, deliverer of Israel, doesn't matter. They mess up, it's going to reveal it. And there's nothing mentioned against Daniel. 
And even though they tried to find some fault in him, they searched his whole life, they spied on him, and they couldn't find anything, any fault against him. And Noah is placed with Daniel. And Job. Satan tried to find something wrong against him. God says, have you checked out my servant Job, who is righteous? And Satan couldn't find a foothold in Job. You know, he tried to attract, attack him in all different ways. Oh, he'll curse you if, if this happens, if that happens, if you take back your protection over this area or that area. And through it all, Job did not curse the Lord. Job remained faithful. Even as Satan used three friends <laughs> trying to find fault in him and accuse him of everything, there was no fault in Job. And so Ezekiel places Noah with Daniel and Job as righteous tzaddiks. And in the book of Hebrews, Noah is mentioned, starting verse, chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Ah, so that tells us a lot about Noah. That he believed that God is. He believed there is a God. He believed that God is who he said he is. That he created the heavens and the earth. That he has a right over our lives. That he has a right to rule and tell us what is right and wrong because he is the creator. He is the all-knowing one. He is the almighty one. He is the self-existent one. He is from all eternity. He believed that he is who he says he is. And that he diligently sought after him. Diligently seeking after him. Like in order to get that 4.0, at least how it used to be, to get that 4.0 in high school or college, you got to diligently study, work hard. Diligently, the same with the word of God. We need to diligently seek him. We will find him when we search for him with all our heart with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength, finding his grace by diligently seeking after him, forsaking everything else, setting aside everything else, not like Lot's wife leaving Sodom, but keeping her eyes and turning back there and her heart still there, but laying aside the things that are past and running the race that is set before us. Reading God's word each day, praying and allowing God to show us if there's any sin in our hearts and minds. What is the next level you want to take me to? What is the next thing you want to convict me of? What is the next thing you want to gain victory in my life over? Allowing God to work in us. Daily being crucified, daily surrendering, allowing all pride and all self-ambition to be surrendered before the Lord. Accepting our death in the Messiah, being crucified with him, dead to this world, dead to self, dead to the carnal nature, dead to the carnal impulses, dead to the lust of the eye and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. Surrendering all so that we might seek him. Selling all that we might buy that treasure and have that treasure that is laid up for us. The gospel of the Lord God. The receiving of his salvation. The receiving of his Holy Spirit. Allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us by removing everything of self, removing everything that's in us, so that the Holy Spirit has room to come in and take over every aspect of our life. 
every area, soul, mind, body, spirit, everything. Seeking him, knowing him every day. And then by faith, Noah moved with godly fear. Fearing the Lord, godly fear of the Lord. Not wanting to disappoint him, not wanting to let him down, not wanting to embarrass him, taking on his name and then living up to that name. So his name is not discredited in how we live, in how we talk, in what we do, in what we watch, in what we read. Fearing the Lord, out of respect for him, out of awe for him, as being his child, taking on his name and wanting to live according to his ways, wanting to live by his grace, by his power, to present him properly before the world. Fearing and fearing the judgment to come. God destroyed this earth with water. He's going to destroy it again with fire. Fearing that we would disobey him fearing that we would rebel against him, fearing that we would cause him pain by sinning against him, fearing that we'd crucify him afresh when we rebel against his word, fear against him being mocked by the devil, fearing that our lives would cause someone else to stumble, fearing that our example might lead someone in a path away from God, fearing that our lives might not represent God fully to someone else. That the young in faith or young in life might be led astray by our words or our actions, fearing with godly fear, knowing that everything we do has a ripple effect upon others, upon ourselves and upon others, upon our future and upon others' futures, fearing with godly fear. And then Noah, by faith, prepared the ark. He acted upon that faith. And you say, oh, I believe the world is going to come to an end. Oh, I believe the rain is going to come. But he acted upon that and built an ark. And thus he became the heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. Righteousness by faith. Something people think that righteousness by faith is just by having faith and believing that you're righteous when you're wrong, <laughs> when you're living wrong, when you're doing wrong. But I believe by faith I'm doing right. I believe by faith that God just forgives it anyway. I believe by faith that God just pretends, he just covers it, he closes his eyes, he doesn't see me, he just sees Yeshua, and he doesn't really care what I'm doing, it doesn't really matter that I'm in disobedience, because I have faith in his righteousness over my life. That's how it's most often taught, maybe not in that's plain words. <laughs> but true faith becomes righteousness. True faith acts. True faith works. True faith in God changes us so that our lives then become in harmony with that faith. Not a pretend faith. Not just a facade on the outside but that a faith that transforms, a faith that changes, a faith in his blood that removes all sin, that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. A faith in the Holy Spirit that then replaces that unrighteousness with his righteousness. That he who knew no sin became sin. That we who knew no righteousness might become the righteousness of God in him. That his righteousness begins to be lived out in us. That yes, yes. we not only have faith in Yeshua, but that we have the faith of Yeshua. Yes. His very faith, his very mind. And thus his mind then transforms our actions. 
His faith moves us forward. Believing His Word. Taking Him at His Word. Believing His promises. And acting upon it. It took 120 years for the flood to come, but Noah built the ark by faith, knowing that what God said, God was going to do. By faith, knowing the promises that as we give, God will give and give an abundance back, pressed down, crushed, shaken together, and flowing over, believing even if we don't see it for 120 years. Knowing by faith God said it, God will deliver it, God will bring it to pass. Taking a hold of his promises and walking in his promises. That's what it means to be of faith. That's what it means to be righteousness by faith. Righteousness that comes according to faith. Righteousness that comes about because of faith. True faith that believes God's word. That all things will become made new. That you'll be a new creature. The old has passed away and all things are now new. That he compelleth us to move forward in his righteousness, in his actions. That it is God who works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Faith in his word that changes the life in the here and now. Not just a faith in the future, not just a faith in a heaven to come, but a faith that transforms today. A faith that gives us victory today. Yes. Faith that is lived out in our lives in this earth and before the humans we come in contact with. Thus, Noah is in this chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, this hall of faith that he walked by faith and became the heir of the righteousness of faith. Back to Genesis chapter 6, verse 11. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. And again, we should not be surprised that this world gets worse and worse and worse beyond recognition and comprehension. And if there's only eight people who are willing to get into the ark, don't be surprised. It's narrow, straight and narrow is the path that leadeth to heaven. Verse 17, still Genesis 6, verse 17. I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life, everything that is on the earth shall die. Verse 18, But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall go into the ark, you and your sons and your wives and your sons' wives with you. Verse 21, You shall take for yourselves of all food that is eaten, and you shall gather it to yourselves, and it shall be food for you and for them. Well, that must have been a lot of food they had to gather and bring into the ark. Now, maybe God had, you know, had everybody hibernate in there. I don't know. But that would be a lot of food that they'd have to bring in. But they did. God told them. God made provision for it. And he used Noah's family to bring in those provisions, that food for themselves and for the animals. In verse 22, thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. Yes. This is what it means that he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is what it means that he was just, that he was perfect, that he walked with God. God said it, and Noah allowed God to do it through him. Noah obeyed, and he did all that God commanded him. And so if Noah was able, by God's power, to do all that God commanded him, do you believe that by God's power, by faith in God's strength and God's grace, that you, through him, will be able to do all that God commands you? Yes. Amen. 
In Luke chapter 17, verse 26, it says, As in the days of Noah, so also shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. And not only to the wickedness that we just read about, not only about the wickedness that we see on the earth, but just as there will be every intent of their thoughts, evil only, continually, and violence, and problems, and marrying, and intermarrying, and given in marriage, and people of faith, people of Genesis chapter 5, compromising with the people of this world, Genesis chapter 4. And even though the professed believers will not be standing for right, in addition to all the wicked, and just as that is true, that as in the days of Noah, so will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. Also, it means that as in the days of Noah, there will be a Noah in this last days. There will be a people of Noah in these last days. There will be people like Noah who will stand in these last days. There will be people like Noah who are willing to warn the world that God is going to destroy this world. Get ready, get ready, get ready. And whether they're mocked or derided or ridiculed or beaten or stoned or censored or canceled, they don't care. God says it, God called us, and they move forward building the ark for the Lord. Building up God's kingdom here on this earth. Building up a safe place for God's people to come. Serving the Lord and doing all that God has commanded them to do, even if no one else even if no one else follows, God's true people will follow. Will be presented blameless, without guile in their mouths. A bride without spot, without wrinkle. Pure virgins before the Lord. Without sin, without rebellious sin in their lives. God will have a people and will enter into his ark and be preserved in the last days. Who, like Noah, find grace in the eyes of the Lord? Who, like Noah, are just and straight in their actions and in their lives, walking uprightly, walking consistently with the Lord, day by day, week by week, year by year, walking in God's word? With their eyes looking upward, looking above the distractions of this earth, the news of this world, the wickedness of this world, the distractions and entertainment of this world, the things of this world, the materialness of this world, they lift their eyes are lifted up, looking onto him who is the author and the finisher of the, their faith. That he who has begun a good work in them brings it to completion. Their eyes gazing upward, walking justly, walking with God, hand in hand with the Lord, allowing God to carry them, staying by his side, walking in tune with him, walking at his pace, walking in his direction, walking with the Lord. Perfect in this last generation living up to all that God has shared with us, living up to all that God has called for us. Yeshua said it will be more tolerable in the judgment for Sodom and Gomorrah than for Capernaum. Or maybe it was Bethsaida, whatever, one of the cities. Be more tolerable. That God will judge Sodom and Gomorrah on that kindergarten level. All they had was Lot. <laughs> How good was that? But Capernaum had 39 books of the Bible. Had Yeshua there, teaching there, preaching there, synagogue there. It would be more tolerable in the judgment for Sodom and Gomorrah than for Capernaum. 
because Capernaum could have lived up to the greater light that they had. In the judgment, who do you think it'll be more tolerable for? Capernaum or you and me? We have another, what, 26 books of the Bible? 27 books of the Bible? We have years of testimonies. We have years of God's grace poured out. We have years of example, much more than they. We have Bibles everywhere. We can have the Bible on our phone. If you're losing your eyesight, you can make it larger print and larger. Tweak your fingers. We can hear it. We can listen to it. Available to us. We have so much more light available to us. Thus we, by God's power, are able to live up to that much more light. And so God is looking for a people who are willing to be perfect in this generation with what we have available to us. People who are willing to walk with God right into heaven with him. People like Enoch to go up without seeing death at his coming when he raises the righteous dead from all the earth. A people that are willing to do all that God commands them. Here is the saints, those that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Yeshua. A people that will stand for God like the 144,000, or being the 144,000, whether that's a literal number or not, doesn't matter, but how they're described. Standing for God, obeying his commandments, doing all according to his word. People group who are moved with godly fear. People, men and women, who are willing to prepare the ark for the saving of the household, for the saving of humanity for the building up on Yeshua, the chief cornerstone, and then we fit stones building up the temple of God here on earth. So we can invite people to come out of the world, come out of Babylon, come into God's truth. Come out from the errors and the falsehoods and the confusion of this world and every wind of doctrine. Out from the sin, out from the addictions, out from the compulsions of this carnal nature. And come out into God's glorious light. To die and to be born anew, to be born again, to come into the family of God, be accredited and counted as children of God, as sons and daughters of God, come into his ark, come into his safety, come into God's protection, come under his arms, come under his wings, come under his eyes, find grace in him. Find strength in him. Find his favor in him. Those willing to work together side by side using the gifts and the talents and the abilities that God has blessed us with. And the means and the, and the, the um, abundance that God has blessed us with. Using it for the building up of his kingdom. I don't know who paid for the ark. <laughs> I think Noah had to dig deep into his pockets. Cut down the wood, him and his sons working together. Now they were able to get a loan. You're saying the flood's going to come and destroy it. How are you going to pay this off? They put forth. They gave of themselves. They gave of their time. They gave of their energy. They gave of their resources to build the ark. In these last days, as in the days of Noah, so will it be. God will have a people who surrender all so that God's work can be built up. God's last day ark can be built up. There's a light on a hill shining for him, a lighthouse for God people to come into, to gather together, to strengthen one another, to help one another, to work together with one another, yes. using our talents with other people's talents, making it greater and stronger. The gifts of God blended together 
working together by his spirit. Those that are willing to be righteous, to receive faith from the Lord. Everyone has been given a measure of faith. And if we feel like we're lacking and need more faith, he says, ask and I'll give you more. Yes. He'll give us all the faith that we need. Coming before him, confessing our weakness, confessing our lack of faith. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Yes. Amen. And he'll give us more faith. Lord, give me victory. Give me your righteousness. Live your right life out of me, out of my flesh. Lord, use me that people might see you in this earth and be prepared for these last days. To be saved in these last days. To be saved from the fire that's going to come and destroy this entire earth. To be delivered while it is day, before it is too late. Time is short. I don't think we have 120 years like Noah had. I don't think we have 120 months. We need to be working for the Lord, serving the Lord. Preparing God's ark. Are you willing to be a Noah? Are you willing to cry out to the Lord? Call upon the name of the Lord? Are you willing to turn your eyes upon him? And find his grace? Are you willing to diligently seek him? With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind? Are you willing to surrender all? Let go of the frivolities of this world, the emptiness of this world, and seek him and only him. Are you willing to be ridiculed? Are you willing to be cursed? Are you willing to be abused? Are you willing to be a martyr for him? Are you willing to lose your reputation? Are you willing to surrender all? Are you willing to give all? Are you willing to give of your time? Are you willing to give of your finances? Are you willing to work for him? Are you willing to be a Noah? Are you willing to count the cost? And in spite of the cost, by faith, move by the Lord's word and warn this world. Are you willing to walk by faith? Are you willing to receive of his Holy Spirit? And will do wonderful things in us. You're willing to allow God to show you any other sin that's there. Willing to allow the Holy Spirit to convict you of sin and righteousness and judgment to come. Willing to allow him to give you the gift of conviction. You're willing to allow him to give you the gift of repentance. You're willing to allow him to show you the next thing that is unknown to you now. You're willing to allow him to reveal the next thing he wants you to gain victory over. Are you willing to grow in him? And stop settling, plateauing for just wherever we're at and wherever we've been for the last 10, 20 years. Stop being satisfied with where we're at. Stagnant, but willing to grow to the full stature that Yeshua has for you. Are we willing to grow for him? Are we willing to go for him? Are we willing to shine for him? And are we willing to build for him? If so, then let us pray and ask the Lord to do that in us. Because it's not by us, it's not by our promises, not by our commitments, but it's by his grace. Our Lord and our God, creator of all things, King of kings and Lord of lords, who has all power and all might, who knows the end from the beginning, who knows all things and sees all things. Thank you for calling us. Thank you for claiming us. 
Thank you for paying the price for us. Thank you for giving your son for us. Thank you, Yeshua, for dying for us before the world was even created. Thank you for first loving us. Thank you for loving this world and paying the price for everyone in it. Thank you that your grace is sufficient for all. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your ability. Thank you for transforming us. Thank you for crucifying us. Thank you for killing the old nature. Thank you for living in us and through us. Thank you for your wonderful promises. Lord, take this flesh and use us. Make us like Noah's. Keep our eyes focused on you. Focused on heaven. Focused on the goal. Use our mouths, use our lips, use our hands, use our feet in building up your kingdom. Building up an ark of safety. Use us in warning the world. Shield us. Put shields over us. Give us tough skin. And it doesn't matter what people think, that it doesn't matter what people say. Make us pleasing to you. Make our lives pleasing to you. Give us hearts that fear you with godly fear, that love you, that serve you. Use us, walk us, take full control of our feet. We walk in your paths. Take full control of our hands, that we do all that you command us to do. Take full control of our minds, that every thought and imagination is only on you continually, that is only righteous and holy continually, and loves you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. Give us faith and increase our faith. Remove all doubt, remove all pride, remove all selfishness. Live in us, through us, and shine for your glory. In Yeshua's holy name, amen.